that's here. And give you a chance this morning before we get going um, to, to get a deep breath. We're in a, um, a sermon series called Go. And, uh, and when the weather gets like this and the, uh, the, uh, the first of the year starts, many people have, have more of a tendency to stop and kind of wait for life to hit them than they do go. Um, and so I want to kind of talk a little bit about that today. Give you a chance to, uh, to get a deep breath today. Many of you need that. And truthfully, it may be the most important thing that happens while you're here. Um, it's just an opportunity to get a little bit of perspective on your life. Um, remind you of who you are and who God is. Um, if you're kicking the tires on God, trying to figure out what's real and what's not, um, then uh, you're in the right place. A lot of us are, are still dealing with doubt and faith and all of those things together. And So you're in the right place today. Just give you a deep breath. Before we get going, I just want to give you a chance to, uh, to kind of calm your heart and your lives, and then I'll jump right in this morning. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks today for another day of life, another day of opportunity to, to grow, to get better, to get closer. God, those in the room today who... Um, have a secret brokenness, whatever it is, would you just give them a calm, a little bit of a, just a chunk of peace today. And God, as we dig in and try to really dig into to what you, how, the way you want us to live, would you give us clarity today? Would you help us see new things, new ways today? Would you soften our hearts, anything in our hearts that are hardened, because of sin or because of life circumstances, because of exhaustion, anything like that, God, today would you soften our hearts so we can hear you and we'll listen. In your name, son's name we pray. Amen. piece of scripture that I, I want to start with today um, is, you know, if you go through seasons, if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, you go through these seasons in your life where there's a, there's a, a, like a, a life scripture, a life passage, um, and it changes. In fact, I've had people ask me before, what's your favorite Bible verse? And, and it just, uh, my next, my next uh, statement is, well, during what period of time in my life? Because it changes for me as, as I go through seasons of my life. And right now, this is it for me. Um, this is my favorite piece of Scripture. This comes from the, um, from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. And um, it comes from a time, I love the words to this, I love the way Jesus words this thing, but what I love more about this is the, the insight that God seems to have into my life and into my heart um, when this piece of scripture arises. So I don't know if you're like me, um, if this piece of scripture resonates with you, I want you to know how I use this um, on a daily basis. I use this same piece of scripture. Um, maybe somebody has told you you should be reading your Bible. Maybe somebody has made you feel bad about not reading a Bible. Maybe somebody has, um, has made statements about the Bible that you didn't understand. And this might be the first day that you go, oh, that's how I'm supposed to use the Bible. Um, so th- this is a piece of scripture that, that I use, I would say, every day. Um, the very few days go by, especially when life gets hard, that I don't claim this piece of scripture. So you get to know it, you get to memorize it, and then what happens is, um, David said that, the, the psalmist said that uh, the word becomes a lamp into your feet. It becomes a, like a light w- where you're walking. And if you've ever tried to walk in the dark before, you know, um, just in your house even, this, this happens to me just in my house with a six-year-old and a nine-year-old in my house, I can walk in the dark trying not to wake anybody up at four o'clock in the morning. I kick the dog twice. I step on a Lego, try not to say a word. 
that I, that I really want to say. Then I, I walk down the hallway, and I trip over something, and I bang my knee, and by the time I get downstairs, I think, you know what, I made so much noise, and I already woke everybody up in the house, I might as well turn the light on. And I don't know what it is about us, but humans tend to want to do life in the dark. We tend to want to just walk wherever we want to walk. We want to tread our own path. We want to lead our own place, whether it's that we don't want to make noise for the people in our life or whatever it is. We tend to gravitate towards just walking in the dark. And if you're finding yourself in that place today, if you find yourself coming to this church and going, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing next. I don't know what's going to happen next in my life. It's so dark out there that I'm just going to take, I'm just going to wait for things to come to me. Then I, you just need to know that it's not the way God intended for you to live your life. And that he said, he, it is dark out there, but he has given us these items, these little nuggets of life in order to shine light on our path so we don't have to step on the Legos, so we don't have to hit our knees on stuff as we walk through life. And, and if you're in that place today, you need to know, you can just take a deep breath in this. Even if you're not sure you believe this stuff, even if you're not sure you believe all this stuff today, if you put these principles into your life and you start living this way, you won't believe. You don't even have to believe this stuff for it to work in your life because it's what God intended from the beginning. Here's the piece of scripture. Jesus is talking to a whole group of people today and he might as well be talking to this group of people because it was 2,000 years ago but we're dealing with some of the same things and he says this, are you tired? Man, I almost don't have to go any further. You're engaged, aren't you? Yeah. Are you tired? Yeah. Worn out? Yeah. The little Greek word there for worn out is devastated. You know, the, the, the English word, the closest we can get to it is devastated and the word literally means something like um, everything in your life is demolished. <laughs> That's what worn out means here, and maybe you feel that way. Burned out on religion? Huh, but you didn't think you'd hear that at church. Guess what? We're burned out on religion here at New Life. We're, the religion that, that has a lot to say and not a lot to do, religion that makes up a lot of rules but doesn't really listen to God's rules, those are the things that burn us out. And at this point in history, Jesus is talking to a group of people who have been oppressed, oppressed by religion. They've, in the name of God, people have taken money from people and, and, and oppressed them, much like in our culture, even worse at that point. Bur are you burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Now, 2,000 years after this, we, when we hear Jesus say, come to me, and when we read this piece of scripture where Jesus says, come to me, there's this feeling that even if you're not a church person, you go, yeah, that sounds like something Jesus would say, come to me. But 2,000 years ago, for Jesus to say, if you're worn out, if you're broken, if you're devastated in your life, I have the answer. Come to me. This was huge. This was a human being saying he was God and could fix these things in your life. This was huge. This, was, this is the kind of talk that would eventually get Jesus killed on a cross. He said, if you're burnt out, if you're worn out, if you're tired, if you're sick and tired of church, if you're devastated by the stuff around you, get away. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. That sound good? He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. This specific season in my life, I'm going through some anxiety and depression, and I have a sleep problem. Um, I've had a sleep problem since I was about 26, and it kind of comes and goes. Um, but right now, it's, it's pretty full force. It's about as bad as it's ever been. And I can, I can expect about four to five hours of sleep a night, which doesn't sound too bad unless you string a week of it together. And by the time you get through a week and you're at four or five hours of sleep... Um, 
you know, you start seeing foggy, you know. Um, and uh, I actually found myself in a place last week where I felt like I shouldn't drive. Um, I was just, you almost feel impaired, you know, like you're under the influence of something. And your, your brain needs oxygen from sleep, and it's just not happening. And there is this sense when I read this this week to, to prepare for this sermon um, and read the words, take a real rest. Just, there's this sense of me where I just go, man, I hope this is true. You ever done that at church? You ever heard a preacher talk? You ever heard something so profound, so amazing, so life-altering potentially, that all you can think in your head is not what's next or what should I do, but it's, I hope that's true. And be honest, your preacher felt that way this week. Read this piece of scripture that I've been reading for two years, every morning. And Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Maybe you've been at church. Maybe you feel like church and Jesus and God is all about the heavy things in life. It's all about suppressing you. It's all about keeping you from fun or keeping you from the life you want. The truth is, that's religion. Jesus says, you come to me, you come to me specifically, and the things that I have for you, while different than the world has, aren't ill-fitting. They aren't heavy. Jesus says, keep company with me, and you'll live to learn freely and lightly. You ever met anybody that lives freely and lightly? If you were here last week, you saw my dad preach. Um, and if, if you were here, I've run into you just a little bit before um, the service today, and I, you've all come to me with this smile on your face that I recognize. The smile is, you're about to say something about my dad. You're about to say what a great storyteller he is, what a pleasure he is to have on the stage, because there's something that comes out of him that's free and light. And let me tell you, it's not drugs. It's not antidepressants. It's not... Um, it's, it's really not a, a, an intellect, or it's a relationship with Jesus. It really is. And here's the thing about it today. I know you expect your preacher to say this, but Jesus gives you the answer today. He gives you the answer to living freely and lightly. And he, his only request of you is to go do it. Because what we do when things get hard and heavy in our life, when things get dark in our life, our tendency, because we have hit so many Legos and hit our knees on so many things in the dark of our life, our tendency is to just stop walking. It's to just stop moving. Many of you are there right now today. Well, if I make any decisions at all, if, I be pro if I'm proactive at all, it'll just hurt. I'll run into something again, and it'll just hurt. And Jesus says there's another way to do it. There's a way to keep moving, to go in your life with light. But some of us wait for our tipping point. You know, are you familiar with a tipping point? You know what a tipping point is? A tipping point is this in your life, You're, in, in anybody's life. It's that moment when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. If you're asleep, wake up a little bit. If you're listening online, rewind that and hear it again, okay? Because this is huge. There is a tipping point in human life where the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. I'll explain that. Here's what I mean. 
There's a point in your life where you may have smoked your entire life and dealt with all the patches and chewed the gum and had the patches on at the same time and you've gone through all the things and, and you've put them down and you've picked them up and you've put them down and you've picked them up. But at some point, when the doctor finally says something about lung cancer and he will not let you keep smoking in his office while you're getting chemotherapy, the pain got greater in your life the pain of staying the same became greater than the pain of changing. At some point in your life, your marriage got so bad and you just couldn't ignore it anymore. That the pain of staying the same got so bad something had to change. This is called the tipping point in your life. And let me tell you right now, if you're not at the tipping point in your life, whether it's your marriage or your, your physical life, whatever it is, in, if you're not at that tipping point, do it now. Make the change before you get to the tipping point. Because the closer you get to the tipping point, the worse the pain is. I've got friends right now who have eating problems. Something about Americans, this is the, the way we have created America. There's some wonderful things, there's some great things, and then there's some awful things that have happened. And one of those awful things is the cheapest things for you to buy at the grocery store happen to be the things that are killing us. The chips... The candy bars, the sugar, the cholesterol, all of that stuff are killing us. And those who are the poorest are dying first because that's just what we pay for. McDonald's is cheap, so we take our kids there, and we're dying of cheeseburgers. And at some point, at some point, you're going to be able to afford to eat right. At some point, you may be laying in a hospital bed at $4,000 a day. Guess what they're not going to be feeding you? Cheeseburgers. You're going to be intravenously fed with something that is nutritious for you. So here's what I'm asking you right now. I've got friends all over my life like this, and we've, there are consequences to living however we think we want to. And if you're at that point today and you're just going, man, I'm just a little overweight, and I know I need to do something, do something before you get to the tipping point when it comes to your health. This sermon series is about go. I've got all kinds of illustrations about what it means, but the truth is you know in your life what it means for you to go. Maybe it means for you to go to the grocery store, to the produce section. For those of you who don't know what the produce section is, it's that place where they grow green things, you know? Instead of the chip aisle. Yeah, it's like six down from the chip aisle. It's usually a big place. Some of you need to go past the drive-thru. Some of you need to go talk to your wife about that thing that's just in the air in your marriage. Some of you need to go to your children and deal with the pain in your relationship that you've been blaming your 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 17-year-old son or daughter for when you're the grown-up. Some of you need to go, and I don't know what that is for you today, but you have and we have as humans become so accustomed to what hurts in the dark that we have just stopped. And you need to know that what God intends for your life is for you to go. And what I've been praying is that he'll make it clear to you in what areas that needs to be today. Jesus says this, and I love it. I'm going to read it to you again. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, if you're a Christian, this is the way you're supposed to live. If you're not a Christian, you're kicking the tires on this thing, this is a great opportunity for you to see what it means to be a Christian. Because what it means is not coming to church, 
What it means to be a Christian is not showing up at church. It's not saying the right things. It's not putting one of those little Jesus fish on the back of your car. That doesn't have anything to do with being a Christian, okay? It's not going to the Bible bookstore and putting your credit card down at Christmas. None of that. What it means to be a Christian is to daily live the way that Jesus lived when he was here on earth. That's what it means. It means to pursue daily to live that kind of a life. And when you do that, it looks like this. Jesus says, if you read through these three things backwards, the goal of our life is to live freely and lightly, and it's available to you. The goal of your life is to live freely and lightly. Some of you think, well, I'll do that someday when I retire. And I've heard that a lot. And it just gets heavier and more constricted for a lot of people who retire. Because it's not the job that's causing the constriction. Live freer and lighter is the goal. Jesus says the way you do that is you learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There is this thing that is already going on in the world. God has already created this this rhythm of life. And if you're not in rhythm with God and with what He's created, then you are going across the Gulf Stream of life and it is just hard walk. You're going to continue to bump into things because whether you believe in God or not, whether you trust God or not, and whether you obey God or not, God's going to do what God does. And if you choose not to, if you choose not to be in the rhythm of life that God has already created, it's going to be hard for you. And it's only going to get harder. Okay, so you say, okay, so what are the rhythms of grace? Jesus says, I'll, I'll be real honest with you, the way you do it is you keep company with me. That sounds like such a church thing to say, doesn't it? Such a preacher, Jesus freak thing to say. Just keep company with Jesus. Sounds like something my Sunday school teacher would say from when I was in first grade. You need to keep company with Jesus. And you've got to make Jesus about four syllables. Jesus. <laughs> you know? It sounds churchy. And so we dismiss it. But Jesus says, keep company with me. Stay close to me. If you stay close to me, you'll start to feel the rhythm of life. You'll start to just... Have, have you ever done this? Have you ever, even if you're not a musician, um, I know Rick lives this way. It, look, he's tapping his foot right now. There's a rhythm inside Rick all the time. And you know what's awful, and Rick can say this, and I, I know just enough about music to know this feeling, when you're playing with a band and you can't find it, like you just, you, you just can't find it. Even if you're not a musician, you'll see that sometimes here. It usually has something to do with the sound system. They're not hearing themselves. And you just can't quite, you know, everybody's kind of in a different place, and there's just this, it gets really hard, and then there's these moments where you, it usually happens first between the bass player and the, the drummer, where they just get it. They just, there's just something. It's like they're playing the same instrument, but they're 20 feet apart on the stage, and then all of a sudden the keyboardist gets it, and the vocalists start feeling it, and you get this rhythm of life, this rhythm of the band that Jesus says, if, if you spend enough time with me, and Rick will tell you this, even if you're a great musician, you can't just come up here and get it. You don't just get it. You've you got to spend some time. You've got to feel it. You've got to be with each other. Jesus says, this is the way life is. And if you spend time with me, if you keep company with me, you'll start to feel it. Now, here's what that means. I hate saying things like that and not fleshing it out. So here's what it means to keep company with Jesus. It means a whole lot like what it means to keep company with somebody in your life. Somebody outside of Jesus that you're, that you're, that's important to you, keeping company with them. So how do you be intentional about keeping company with somebody? How do you do this? With my, with my son, Reese, he has a behavior problem at sometimes, and it, I used to just think it was random, like, oh, it was sugar, or it was just something just happened, the moon was at the wrong phase, and he just has a behavior problem all of a sudden. But what I started figuring out was it has a whole lot to do with how much time I spend with him. 
Now, his mom can spend a lot of time with him, and that's good. But if I'm missing out on Reese time, he, is, he will start to act out. And we're starting to figure this out. So I will get up in the morning, and Rich will say, man, Reese had a bad day yesterday. And we both know what that means. i got to figure out how to spend time, how to keep company with Reese. i got to find time, intentionally spend time with him. And here's a few things that, that I do with Reese that I also need to do with Jesus when it comes to my relationship with God. The first thing is this. You know that uh, people say, used to say all the time, very few people are saying it these days because they're starting to realize it's a lie, but it's not, it's not the quantity of time, it's the quality of time that matters. That is one of the biggest lies in all of parenthood. Did you know that? There is no such thing of quality, as choosing quality time. Quality time only comes randomly from quantity time. <laughs> You choose to spend a lot of time with, with your kids. You choose to spend a lot of time with your wife. You choose to spend a lot of time with God. And in those moments, you get the quality time. You don't know when they're coming. You can't plan them. So dads, if you really want a relationship with your kids, don't start planning quality time from 3.30 to 4 o'clock after school. Don't start trying to plan quality time because it doesn't happen. It only comes from quantity time. This is the way we work. And by the way, don't get up in the morning, read for 30 seconds something in the Bible, pray for 10 seconds, and then go, boy, this whole spending time with Jesus thing sure doesn't work. Because you can't choose quality time with Jesus. It only comes from quantity time. Now, if you're saying, yeah, I can't make those things fit in my life, then you know what? Wait till you get to the tipping point. Because if you get to the tipping point, you won't believe how much time you find to fall on your face in front of God. And go, help me! <laughs> At the most desperate time of my life, all of a sudden I've found time. All of a sudden things aren't near as important to me. Same thing happens with your kids. Same thing happens with your wife. You know how many couples I know right now whose marriages are falling apart? Mostly because one or the other, sometimes both of them, have decided that they're going to have quality time. We're going to have a date night every other Friday night. And that'll be our time together. We're going to have a half hour watching TV and just maybe our legs touch each other at one point and that's, how, that's our time together. You know, how many couples are dying because of this? And here's what happens. They come to me and finally the woman says, I'm leaving, I can't take this anymore. There's this thing between us. We have no time together. We just can't. And guess what? They all of a sudden find quantity time. They take a vacation. They start because they got to the tipping point. And by that point, it's a disaster so could you be proactive could you move could you go and start having quantity time find it with god some of you have a long drive two hour drive some of you between, between before the day's out an hour there and an hour back to indianapolis or something use all that time and then find some more especially the harder things get in your life when things get hard between my family and i i know what they need they don't, need, they don't need quality time. They need quantity time. When things get hard in your life, what you need with God is not just a good 20-minute prayer time. It's quantity time with God. If you don't know how to do that, I don't blame you. It's hard. But here's the thing. It's also hard with your kids. I'll never forget when Reese was real little. I just thought, I remember even saying this to, to Risha. When does he get fun? Like, he was just tiny, itty-bitty. And like, just not fun you know the the most action i get from him was like him spitting up on me you know I just and 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 then i started realizing yeah that i made it about me again it's not it's not about me and what you find out then the more you spend time with, with your kids and your spouse that 
that it becomes fun and you, you learn each other and you, the more time you spend together, the more you learn how to deal with your time together. The same is true with your relationship with God. One of the things I have to do with Reese that I think Jesus wants you to do with him, I have to do things that he does. To do things that Reese likes to do. I can't go to Reese and say, hey buddy, let's spend some quantity time together. Um, let's go work on the car. <laughs> he likes that for about five minutes. But then he knows what that means. Dad's going to work on the car and I'm going to hold the flashlight. Hey, buddy, let's spend some quality time together. Let's go mow the lawn. He knows what that means. Dad's going to run the lawnmower where nobody can talk or hear each other, and I'm going to have the clippers out, clipping the lawn. That's what he, that's what he knows. Instead, I've got to go, hey, buddy, let's go play that stupid game on that PS2 thing that you like, and you can beat me again, and, you know? Hey, buddy, let, let's go play basketball. Let's, go, let's do something you want to do. I have to be that intentional. Guess what? Same thing's true of God. Same thing's true of a relationship with Jesus. If you want that kind of connection, if you want that kind of a growing, moving, learning the rhythms of grace thing, you've got to do what God does. You've got to do what Jesus does. And you know what that is? Looking for people who are broken all around you. So if you're right now and you're going, man, I just don't know. I don't know what John's talking about. I've been spending time with Jesus all the time. I go into my room every day and I spend two hours behind the closed door and I pray and I think and I talk to God. I want you to know that's not what Jesus likes to do. I mean, sometimes. But mostly what Jesus likes to do is for you to get in the car and you go find somebody holding a sign that says something broken. You go find somebody that needs something. You want to know what it's like to be with Jesus? You want to know what it's, a relationship with Jesus is like? Go do what He does. Go be where He is. Some of you need that desperately. You need to go do what Jesus does. Here's what He doesn't do. He doesn't spend a lot of time in this building. I mean, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is here when we worship, I believe. But the truth is, most of what happens with God and broken people happen outside of this church. They happen at gas stations and grocery stores. They happen at schools, at jails. That's the way you learn the rhythms of grace. And then stop and look. Just stop and look around you at what goes on. Hey, I've got to keep moving... This morning so first we have to keep company with jesus and as we do and, and i know this sounds churchy and it goes against everything in me because i don't want to sound religious or churchy today um, because it, that can become very hollow but the truth is if you can find out how to have quality time and quantity time with jesus if you can figure out how to do what he does being around him and be able to be fully present when you're around him and when you're doing the things that he's doing then you get to a point where keeping company with him leads you to feel the rhythms of grace. And I know that sounds a little ethereal, so I'm going to break it down for you. The rhythms of grace, really, the, the Bible there talks about this, this thing in life that just, it, it's sort of the way things progress through your life. And it starts usually with something like awe of God. You need an opportunity to be in awe of God. Sometimes that happens, and I hear guys say this all the time, I don't worship at church, I worship in the deer stand. I don't worship at church, I don't like sing music, I like to be out on the front seat of the boat. And you know what it's like to be in awe of God. There's this moment where you look out of the deer stand at the right moment, and it's amazing, you can be holding a shotgun, and you just look out and go, wow, how could I have doubted? Just for a moment. Just, sometimes it's a fleeting moment, you just go, oh, God is there, and I'm here, and look how little, and look how big. There's that moment that you desperately need. 
And it's the chain reaction. It's the start, it's the catalyst for a chain reaction for the rhythms of grace. When you can stop long enough in your life, whether it's in a deer stand, whether it's sitting behind the wheel of a car, whether it's with your family, whether it's sitting here in church, if you can stop long enough to be in awe of who God is, it will start the rhythms of grace in your life. If you've ever listened to a, a drummer, um, you ever listened to a band like this, the, the sometimes there's, there's songs that are, that are hard to start. There's songs that just, like, they just start running really fast. And so you'll hear this. You'll hear it a lot. You'll hear a drummer go, three, three sticks, and that'll, everybody in the band knows, okay, now we're going to come in now. There's this, like, catalyst to get the rhythm going. That's what being in awe of God is. It's the three sticks. It's, the, it's the, just the beginning of finding out the rhythms of grace. You need to find a moment to stop. And when you do, you become aware of something. And this is part of the rhythm of grace. So first you become, you, you're in awe. And then you become aware of how little you are, how big God is, how amazing He is. Sometimes you also become aware of how short, come, how, how short you are in terms of your sin, all the messed up stuff in your life. And when you do, you just become aware of His grace, you become aware of you. And after you become in awe of Him, you become aware of yourself, and then you just get grateful. And by the way, I saw it in some of you this morning. And I knew I was preaching this sermon. I just, thank God. If you found yourself in a place where even in the midst of mess, you found yourself grateful, you know what you're experiencing? Not euphoria, not drugs. <laughs> what you're experiencing is the rhythms of grace. There's no other way to, to explain somebody who is going through hell and living heaven at the same time. The only reason for it is that you're experiencing the rhythms of of grace. When you become in awe of Him, you become aware of who you are and who He is. You get grateful for His sacrifice for you. And at that moment, this is where a lot of Christians mess it up. They think that they have to do something to earn what God has already done. The truth is, it's already done. Being grateful is you going, it's already done. I don't have to do anything. But now, because it's already done, now everything in me wants to do something for somebody else. Everything in me, because of the rhythms of grace, because of the, I've engaged in this thing that's already working in the world, now I want to go. And this happens with music too. You'll see it all the time. Guys will be playing and if they're a mess and they can't get, find rhythm with each other, nobody wants to be a part of what they're doing. But if you get that groove and you get somebody, a group just jamming, then all of a sudden you get, I, I'd like to learn to play guitar. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. You'd like to be a part of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think I could play drums. Yeah, I bet, you, I bet you'd like that. It's going to take you a while. You have to learn. This is what happens. This is what happens to churches. You ever wondered why some churches just explode? I, I think it's because of the rhythms of grace. People start going, man, you feel that? People in the community start going, I want to be a part of that because that just feels right. I've got I to be a part of that thing. I want to learn to do what they're doing. It's called selflessness. And if you, some of you have lived your life, some people, humans, live their life and never really experience selflessness. Now, there are moments where you give something to somebody, or there are moments where you spend some money, or you take a quarter out of your pocket to give to somebody who has a sign, or what, and really, if you really dig into it deep enough, it's, it's for you, it's for you to not feel so guilty, it's for you to be able to tell somebody you gave, or whatever. Very few of us actually experience true selflessness where you can specifically look at a situation and go, you know what, I, I think I feel this way, but I, it's really more about them in this case. 
You know, I think I would really like to do on Sunday is just sit in one of those orange pews, kick my feet back, and kind of slip in and out of consciousness while a preacher preaches. And what I'm telling you is, rather than do that, you won't believe what it does for the rhythms of life, the rhythms of life and grace in your life, for you to get up out of that orange pew and go back there where the kids are. To go do something for no other reason but selflessness. And when you do that, when you can get to this point, when you've been in awe of God, you've been aware of you and God, you're grateful for what you see, and you've got to this point of selflessness, which we have to help each other with all the time. This is what friendships in Christian life is. Christians come to each other and go, hey man, what do I do here? And the other one goes, you've got to stop thinking about you. Oh, I forgot. Because <laughs> the, the nature is for us just to think about us? Dude, you're, you forgot. You forgot who we are. We don't, we don't sit and think about us. We sit and think about other people. And then God does the things for us that we need. Oh yeah. Thanks, man. That's all I needed. We don't need to pray about it necessarily. Sometimes we need to pray that we have the strength to move on. But mostly it's just this perspective. And that's what Christian friendships are. We get into these selfless modes because we know that the end of that, the next part of the rhythm of grace, is this thing the Bible calls freedom. Man. If you've ever had just a moment, just a moment on a Saturday morning, you know what happens for me? It happens when there's a snow day or a holiday, especially major holidays, because here's what I know. If I take a, a Saturday off, I have customers that I work with that all work on Saturdays. So what I'm thinking the whole time is, well, I'm taking a break, but my email's filling up, and they're going to want requests, and they're probably wondering why John's taking a break on Saturday. But man, if I get to a Christmas, everybody's off. Or a snow day when I can say, hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't get into the office. There is this freedom that comes. And if you've ever experienced this, doesn't it change the way you treat your family? That freedom? Doesn't it change the way you think about things? Doesn't it change the way you feel about things? Doesn't it change your attitude? And it changes the whole house. I think my dog has a better day when I feel free. Man, what if you could live like that? I don't know a lot about heaven. A lot of preachers make up things. A lot of preachers talk about heaven. And if you're here much, you know I don't talk about heaven much. Because it's really the most important thing, or one of the biggest things that we think about as Christians. And the Bible doesn't say much about it. And so I don't talk much about streets of gold, because I, I really think streets of gold is a, is, at that point is, an, is, is just a metaphor. I don't know if there will actually be streets of gold, and if there was, what do I care? There's nothing to buy in heaven anyway. Why do I need gold? So I don't know, the gold doesn't bother me. Those things don't, you know what's most exciting to me about heaven? You know what's really one of the only things the Bible talks about with heaven? It's freedom. Freedom. That little feeling that you finally have on Christmas when you know nobody else is expecting anything of you, you know that you're free of all responsibilities, you know that things just feel right for a moment, that's the way you exist. It's called the peace that passes all understanding. It's available to you now in small chunks as a believer in Jesus, while you're here on earth. But the promise of eternity is that it never goes away. It never takes breaths. It's the rhythm of life all the time. Keeping company with Jesus leads to learning the unforced rhythms of grace, which then leads to living freely and lightly. It's like an equation. It's like math today. This is what Jesus says. You want to be free? You want to be light? You want to be moving in your life the way you see other people sometimes, the way you want to move in your life? Then here's the recipe. Here's the equation. 
Spending time with Jesus plus understanding and learning the rhythms of grace equals living free. If you were doing this, if I was doing this on a regular basis, if my pursuit day in, day out of Jesus was about spending quantity time with Him so that I could actually learn the rhythms of grace, then when John becomes depressed and anxious, your statement to me when I come back is, how do we get you in awe of God again? Because we know that's all it takes. John, we know you might need a medication. You might need this. You may need this. But what you really need most, what you've got to make sure you're not missing, you've got to make sure you're in awe of God because that is the catalyst for the rhythms of grace. And what Jesus says with, if you can feel the rhythms of grace, you can live free. And that means you. Of your sin, of your mess, of your addiction, you can be free. One of my favorite authors of all time. If you read, um, you've got to read Henri Nouwen. If you don't read, you need to learn to read and then read Henri Nouwen. This guy is an amazing man, and I could spend a whole hour talking about him, but I won't. Um, One of my mentors, he doesn't know that. I've never met him, but I've read all his books. He says this. You don't think your way into a new kind of living. You live your way into a new kind of thinking. I think this is the problem with us. Those of us who are broken, those of us who feel like we aren't living free, we think we've got to think differently first. If, if we can just get to a place where our minds, and this is the way we live our lives, let's go see a counselor, which sometimes we need to do. But sometimes it's the very first thing we do. Like, we've got to get our brains right. Henri Nouwen says, what I've learned in my life is that you act, you move, you go, you do something different. And then as you move and as you go and as you act, it begins to slowly change the way you think. And then you've become transformed. It's, it's my prayer for you this year. Band, you guys can come up. I, I want to ask today, are you, are you waiting for the tipping point in your life? Please don't. Please don't wait for the tipping point in your life because those of us who love you have to walk through that with you. And there's a lot of people who love you in this space, and man, it is so hard to watch you reacting to a tipping point in your life. Would you stop right now, be in awe of God, and then go towards who He wants you to be? I'm going to give you a real practical way to do it today. I'm going to call it the no matter what challenge, okay? You don't have to take it. Don't even nod your head yes if you don't anticipate doing this, all right? If you're listening online, if you're here in the church, I'm going to ask you to do something I'm calling the no matter what challenge. I'm going to ask you to do it for seven days. That's between now and next Sunday, okay? Write this down. It'll be on the website later. Um, Write this down. I'm going to ask you to do this no matter what for the next seven days. Set your alarm on your phone or on your whatever you need to do. Set your alarm on whatever you can do. There's There's a couple apps out there. Hit me up afterwards. I'll tell you that you can set your alarm every two hours. And what, I, what I'm going to do this week, I'm committing to this too. Between 7 a.m. and 10 p.m., every two hours, I'm going to set my alarm. And as it goes off, I'm going to stop. I'm going to ask you to stop too. Do something to intentionally be in awe of God to start the rhythms of grace. Something. I, if there's a place that you can go, sometimes for me, this sounds really silly, but... 
at my place of work, there's a lot of people, and, and I, I, when I need a, uh, to be in awe of God, I just need a fresh moment. I go to the bathroom and lock the door. Nobody can get me. They don't know what I'm doing in there. And I'm telling you, it may be the place for you. If it's not, maybe it's a deer stand. Maybe it's your car. Someplace, find, every two hours. John, every two hours. Yes. Now, see the problem with it? That's, that's just trying to get quality time. 30 seconds every two hours. That's not even enough. I'm just saying start there. No matter what. Yeah, but I got a meeting. Well, you have to go to the bathroom during a meeting sometime. I, I'm telling you. Try it this week. And then do this. Choose three things to do each day for someone who doesn't deserve it. You just shut me off, some of you. Because here's what you did. A person came to your mind. And you're desperately trying to think of somebody else. Right? Three things. Every day. doesn't have to be the same person every day. Although it might be. Three things every day. When you get up in the morning, I'm going to do three things for this person today that doesn't deserve it. Haven't earned it. Nothing in return. And then finally, when you feel free and light, and if you commit to these two things, there will be moments where you will feel that this week. They may be fleeting. They may be 30 seconds here or there. Maybe just a deep breath. Would you write it down? Find a place to write it. There's all kinds of websites that are, are journals where nobody can read. There's all kinds of things, for all kinds of opportunities. Just write down what it feels like to be light and free because here's what I know about you. Some of you, it's been so long since you've been light and free, or maybe never, that you don't even know what you're after. You don't even know what it feels like. And what I want you to do this week is start to feel it. Just in little moments, start to feel it and write it down so that you know what to pursue when it comes to being light and free. This morning, we're going to give you a chance to be in awe of God. Because I believe that's what starts the rhythms of grace in your life. The way I do that may not be the way you do it. But the way I, the way I would start today, if you've never done this before, during this song, you don't have to sing these words if you don't want to. Just say this to God. God, you do what you do. You just do what you do and, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I know that sounds little, but you should try it. If you can, with all of your heart, say this to the creator of the universe, God, you do what you do. You just do what you're in charge of, and I'll do the things I'm in charge of. Then you begin to understand just how few things you're in charge of. And it could give you some perspective on life. So if you start there today, during this song, we're going to sing this song together. I surrender all. And you can sing it if you want. You can just pray that prayer if you want. Just start it today. I'm going to be down here in front. If you want my help with anything, I'd be glad to do it. Would you stand with us and sing? Oh.